So welcome back to Leaders of Consulting. On the show today, we have Christina Salerno, who's an operations and hiring expert with over 15 years of experience and is currently on her eighth business, Magical Teams. So it sounds like quite a journey there. And her current business consults and helps small businesses in building and managing their teams. So happy to have you on the show, Christina. Thank you so much. I am excited to be here. Yes, me too. So Christina, let's dive in straight away, shall we? Can you tell us about one unique approach, tip, tool, or strategy that you think other consultants should really know about that they may not? So I love to look at the hiring process a little bit differently. While most people focus on resumes and interviews, I actually have a background as a musician. And you would never try to hire a guitar player without ever playing with them. And so I look at the hiring process very similarly, where you need to experience them instead of just what is on their credentials or talking about working together. You need to try to put together, uh, whether it's a trial project or um, what we call it is like a little mission. Um, And it's these mock scenarios to get to experience what they might do working together it just gives you so much better data in terms of how is it actually going to be working together instead of just all theoretical. Mm. So I'm thinking about this in the context of someone running a consulting practice, maybe hiring their first virtual assistant or executive assistant to help them. What are some good ways that you can trial working with someone new? Yeah. So I like to look at a list of what are they, what do you actually want them to be doing? And so that could be things like scheduling appointments or responding to emails. And so then you can put together, you know, a short two to three part mission where you can put some instructions at the top. uh, That's a Google doc and then have them copy that, make their own version. Um, I really like to have them give like an ETA, especially if it's an assistant type of thing, you want them to be able to kind of be detail oriented and, have a good sense of time management. So they track their time and you get, are they efficient? How do they communicate with you? And then maybe you have like a little scenario of, okay, so this client um, has just sent an email with XYZ. How would you respond? Like talk us through your response and your thought process. So you're literally going and thinking about, well, what would I want them to do? And then what's this actual scenario that I could put them through to get a sense of it? And the way that I frame it is this is not only a chance for me to experience your skills in action, but also for you to experience whether or not you want to do this type of work inside working together. And a lot of people who are more admin assistant types, they really appreciate that because they're not so great with interviews. Some of the best hires I've ever made... Mm. They were terrible at interviews and they got this chance to really shine. And so you get to find these kind of often overlooked people. They become so much more loyal, more grateful um, because you were able to give them that opportunity. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I know what you mean when you say that, you know, sometimes when you go through the whole interview process, a lot of the time it feels like you're not actually judging people on their aptitude because you haven't seen evidence of their work yet. You're just judging them based on how they come across in an interview and so on. Exactly. Yeah. And so do you advocate for an approach where people might take on people, say, as you know, freelancers first to kind of try out the, the working relationship, see what, you know, 
what the outcomes of their efforts are? Or are there other approaches that you recommend? Yeah, I'm a big fan of getting to experience each other and kind of slow rolling that out, um, especially with like a, a virtual assistant or admin assistant type. If you actually put that out there into the world, you're going to get a lot of people saying, oh, me, me, me. And so you have to have some sort of initial evaluation process. There's really two parts of that. You have to have a good strategy because VAs, admin assistants, it's very broad and their skill sets are very broad. And so having a good sense of what are your priorities that you really need? And then the evaluation principles, um, you can make that really simple or you can kind of be more thorough if mm-hmm. it's a more important or senior role. Like, let's say you're looking for a project manager or an operations manager who's going to be managing other people. Um, so you might kind of do some extra more advanced things there. You might do a paid project. Um, sometimes I'll give a little um, compensation for doing the mission depending on you know, how advanced it is. And then from there, it's, you know, it's a trial. It's like, okay, let's start together and let's have regular check-ins. So think of, you might not do kind of full-on performance reviews, but you do want to have those regular conversations of two-way feedback. How's it going for you? How, like, what are the criteria that you want to rate this opportunity and working with me on? How is that going for you? So that two-way feedback can glean so many insights and really address Okay, so I'm seeing, you know, this is happening. Why is that happening? And how can we make sure that we're having a better relation, working relationship? Um, so I can go like on so many different tangents yeah. on working together. But yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot there. Yeah. No, it's quite interesting. I'm thinking back to, you know, I recently hired an operations manager and the process, the process we went through and we we took some of you know, some of the practices that you're saying, I don't know if we applied them very well, but, you know, we did our best. Uh, but essentially we went, so the first round was basically a questionnaire. It was just like, you know, all these questions kind of relevant to the role. And that was our first way of filtering where, you know, what was a good candidate pool basically based on that. And so I'm trying to remember how many, we got a lot of applications. It was like 100, 200 or so on. And then from that, so we found about a pool of, I think it was about 20 or so, and then from that selection, we then use the tool where, so it's one of these tools, I don't know if you come across them, but it's like where people are basically doing async interviews. Mm-hmm. So they'll give a video answer to, uh, you know, a series of questions you ask them. Um, so we did that and then basically narrowed it down further and to the point where, and then we gave one of these um, these tasks, you know, paid task, like the, the one you talk about. Uh, again, was, you know, related to the role and just saw what, how they approached. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, are they going to do the best piece of work, deliver the best, best piece of work ever? It's more along the lines of like, oh, do they follow instructions? Do they ask good questions about it? What's their communication like? What's it like to work with them, really? Mm-hmm. And then fi- there was the final interview process, yeah. And how did that go? Did you find someone awesome? Yeah, and it's interesting, like, going back to the, one of the first things you were saying is that it wasn't the person who was best at, in fact, it was probably the person who had the most difficulty doing the interview because, yeah, they were, like, just a bit more shy than everyone else. But I could tell they had a lot of potential. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, who do I want to work with me long term? Who do I want to invest in? That, that seemed like the best person. Yes, absolutely. Because the interview is basically how good are they at selling you Mm. on whether or not they can do it? Yeah. Not whether or not they can actually do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I and I didn't need a salesperson. I needed an operations person. You know, so <laughs> yeah. I, I need someone to like cross the T's. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And if I can, sorry, I know we're kind of dwelling on this point, but I'm I'm loving the direction of the conversation. I want, and I want to ask a follow up, a selfish follow up question, which is, so I'm actually starting to do. I'm doing a little bit more hands on management than I used to, and so. Um, like with our team members, uh, you know, my agency, we're actually doing annual reviews for the first time. And so I was wondering if you have any, you know, any advice for anyone doing their, you know, their first round of annual reviews, any things to watch out for or make sure that, uh, you know, I include? Yeah. So one of the best opportunities to get on the same page, get someone really feeling inspired, feeling seen, feeling valued is in that review process. And so if you have someone great on your team that it, you know, and you have kind of a culture of feedback and growth, this is an opportunity to really reflect and, and see what are they doing really, really well. And I like to break it down into kind of four main categories. So there's like Mm -hmm zone of genius. It's like, they're so great. They could write the book on this. (laughs) And then there's their strengths, which kind of really complement. There's some, um, maybe some improvements, but you know, they're pretty strong. There's mostly kind of contextual or training related things to improve on there. Mm -hmm. And then there are gaps, which is, you know, it's not their greatest they can do some learning, they can do some training. Um, maybe it's mentorship from you, or maybe it's other areas that you can find resources for them. And then there's weaknesses. It's like, they could maybe improve on these, but it's just really not their thing. So for example, there's one team member who came onto my team and she had such a great kind of like strategic thinking thought process. She had a lot, a lot, a lot of gaps on actually doing the role and the work. And I kind of, I brought her on as, as a mentee and was really, I, one of the things I most offer is Mm. mentorship. So I do a lot of training, a lot of mentorship, and I'm willing to take on someone great, even if they don't really have a lot of experience doing the things. And so I focused a lot on pulling out what are her strengths and reflecting them to her and then highlighting her gaps so that she can see and work on them. And then we talked about her weaknesses, which are, you know, she's great with strategic thinking, great with people, um, great with like learning things and trying things out and then teaching others to do it. She is not good at formatting. (laughs) Like her Mm -hmm. docs, you know, she's like basic level tech savvy, but there's some, you know, there's a lot of weaknesses there. And so we really, I showed her that and talked her through, she's improved, but it's never going to be her strong suit. There's someone else on the team that we usually kind of pass those over to. And so by having those regular conversations, she felt really seen. She felt like I was seeing things about her that other people had been just passing off of like, oh, well, you're not detail oriented. It's like, no, like she's a great quality team member. She just needs some guidance and she needs some learning and I need to answer her questions. So giving her the feedback, being really, really skilled at feedback. And uh, one of the traps that a lot of leaders run into is they ask the other person, well, what do you want to do? What are your strengths? And that's as a manager and as a leader, a lot of that's my job. 
I am reflecting back to them. I'm looking for what are they exhibiting skills in? Maybe it's empathy and they're trying to format a Google doc. And it's like, but you're so empathetic. You're asking great questions. Let's put you over here. And then I can really utilize their strengths. They feel really valued. They feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm actually doing great work. And so that is the process of the reviews is really a chance to give that feedback and then opening it up for them. What do the criteria that they care most about and having them evaluate, um, you know, their manager or supervisor and then the company and the opportunity, they get to give feedback on what are their favorite things and tasks to do so they can be doing more of that and less of the things they don't like. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it also makes me think that, you know, sometimes, uh, well, a lot of the time, I mean, we may think we're particularly good at something, but you ask your, you know, you send an email to your friend and they tell you, actually, you're the most generous person I know or this or that. And there are all these kind of strengths that you don't actually recognize in yourself. You're just like, well, that's just the way, you know, I am or do things. And the same probably goes for, you know, people that, you know, work for you as well. Um, in that you're the one who's probably going to be you know, you have that outside perspective to give to them and you're able to identify those strengths that they may not actually recognize in themselves. Absolutely. And you can double check, you know, I say, I'm seeing this. Is that accurate? Does that, is that your experience? So really, you know, one of my strengths is empathy. (laughs) So really stepping into, okay, I think that this is what's going on for you. Is that true? Both on terms of the strengths and the weaknesses. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And then it's a conversation. Yeah. And I'm interested. So you mentioned uh, bringing on an apprentice. Uh, I'm also quite interested in the kind of the whole theme of apprenticeship. One of the challenges I've run into with bringing on apprentices or, or people to provide mentorship for is finding the right kind of role for someone in that position and giving them enough space to explore, but giving them structure at the same time. And oftentimes, you know, that apprenticeship stint, it won't, it will just be sort of a temporary amount of time. So I'm like, one of the things I've struggled with is just like, how do I, how do I structure this in a way that it's not taking up so much of my time, but it's still giving someone like a, a really great experience out of it. And we're, you know, we're also making the most of their, their time with us as well. So I'm curious, like how you, how you approach that. Love this. So w- one of the things that I love is mentorship and that can look at all levels. So I mentor our team, our team members mentor each other, and then everyone on our team mentors our clients. So it's just kind of embedded into the culture of everything and everyone. Even you know our admin assistant participates in that. Um, and so there's kind of a, a general culture there. And so the team member I was referencing is really a, meant to be a long-term team member. You know, she kind of came in and it was like, I think I might like this thing, but I don't know. I've never really done it. And so I was like, great. Well, I need help on this project. Let's you know, you seem really great. Let's let's try this out. And then we did that project. It was amazing. We loved working together. And so it's kind of grown from there. Um, on the terms of like a actual apprenticeship, I've also run that where it was like quarterly apprenticeships. And the best structure that I've actually found is like a little apprenticeship cohort. And this provides so many different things. It then you have one person to manage that cohort. And you sometimes even assign the apprentices the same thing, but then you get, they not only can benefit from doing it, but they can see each other's work. 
and they can give and get feedback from each other as well. It mm-hmm. becomes more collaborative. So it's not just you mentoring this person. It becomes then a group kind of cohort peer mentorship experience. And so then the main role of that manager of the apprenticeship cohort is project management and high level targeted teaching and feedback. And then the rest of it is, you know, figuring out, okay, so what are those kind of um, low level tasks that like they're going to learn things by doing it and the business is going to benefit um, from that. And so it kind of just depends on the topics of what the apprentice looks like. Um, but kind of giving them different things, then they can try things out. They can learn, um, you know, research is really good, you know, getting things started, trying new things, testing out new things, and they can learn and you can learn, um, or things that like, you know, this is like a documented routine checklist that they can follow. So documenting that and having them go through it and then giving them feedback. So those are the kind of best scenarios that I've found. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, so Christina, you know, we've, we've spoken quite a bit about the sort of hiring side of things, but I know that you also work on the operations side. So I'd love to hear more about that, but can you also just tell us more about if you were to give characteristics or, or categorize, you know, the typical kind of companies that you we mentioned, small businesses, but if we were to get a little bit more granular about that, can you tell us like who, who it is you work with and exactly what kind of problems people come to you with? It's usually founders who are at that point where they know their business. They've figured out, okay, I know that this business works, but they've kind of bottlenecked themselves in some way. So then they're trying to expand their team and get that foundations of operations, like solid systems and processes, so that they are no longer the bottleneck to growth. They can have other people uh, taking on different things and growing, you know, kind of things with their direction and their vision. Um, but without them doing the doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I said to you before, sometimes I think my title should probably be chief bottleneck officer. Um, uh-huh. yeah, it's a very familiar position that, um, you know, founders find themselves in. Absolutely. Because you start as just kind of a service provider or a freelancer and then you're like, Hey, actually I can sell this. And then you start to get busier and busier. And that's when you're like, wait, I actually, I can't grow anymore because I'm stuck doing all the things. And so usually what happens if you're kind of service provider consultant facing is that you then first hire that kind of operations admin or VA or something like that to kind of take off some of those things from your plate. Um, And then as you can grow out the operation side, then you can actually potentially lean in towards, you know, having um, junior consultants. And so kind of somewhere in that realm of, you know, do you, you're deciding, do you want to stay as a consultant and kind of have a lifestyle business? Or do you want it to be something that does run without you, that does grow beyond just you providing the services? Um, And there's a lot of different ways that you can turn that into something. Um, But that's also kind of what I help with is, you know, it could be that you go from um, more one-to-one to to one-to-many um, so kind of helping with the business strategy aspect of that, or it could be, you know, like I said, kind of finding other service providers to do the services. Um, and so with that unit to then document out your methodology and understand, well, what am I doing? What's my process? So one thing about me is I actually am terrible at processes 
an organization. I have ADHD. And this is, I was one of the lucky ones that discovered systems and processes early on, which means I got obsessed with understanding processes. So everyone has a process for everything. It's usually subconscious. I am so bad at it that I had to become conscious about it, which is why I'm so (laughs) good at teaching it and helping others identify what it is and simplify it in a really actionable way that other people can follow. And so that's really the core of operations is, okay, so I figured something out. I need to now make this something that exists beyond what I've now unconsciously started to do, making it conscious, documented, so that other people can benefit from that, can follow that, can optimize on that, um, and take it and grow it from there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, And what are some common kind of traps or pitfalls that people fall into when it comes to building out processes or the lack of them, per se? Um, so there's kind of a big decision there that comes before the pitfalls, which is, um, do you go the process route or the person route? And so you can, depending on your different strengths and your budget, you might hire a person who can take over some of the doing and build out the processes. Or if you like to build things, if you like to, uh, document things, you can kind of deconstruct what you're doing and turn it into a process that then someone less senior can take over. Um, or again, like uh, you can hire somebody to do it, <laughs> you know, someone to put together the processes. But if you really want to grow yourself beyond just a service provider consultant, where there's a business running beyond yourself, you really need both. You need people and you need processes it's just a question of the chicken or the egg. You can go either direction. It's just, where are your strengths? Do you like to mentor people or do you like to build and document things? You know, where's your budget at? If you have limited budget, maybe you take more time to try to document things. Or if you have more budget, you try to hire someone to help you document things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I usually find, you know, when it comes to building out processes, it's usually a process of, uh, recording like a walkthrough video and then handing that off to someone else who who basically, you know, goes through it, documents the steps and then executes it themselves. And then they're the people, the person who's responsible for keeping up to date if anything changes and so on. I I find the problem is I usually find myself getting into the weeds and like doing all the steps myself. And I'm like, no, what am I doing? Like, Yeah, that that's a really great um, option. I do that sometimes with my team. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the pitfalls for that is mm-hmm. you have to then be good at delegating to people. And so sometimes there is something you figured out, which you can just kind of uh, walk through it with them. They can document it. If that's simple, if it gets complex, there's a lot of nuances there. And it's like, if this, then that scenarios. Yeah. So you really have to then get good at either being that mentor, giving feedback. Um, I talk to my team a lot about not only what I'm doing, but why and how I'm making decisions on things. Mm. Um, and then sometimes I'll be like, they'll come to me asking for a decision and I'll say, well, what do you think? And I'll talk it through with them and help them come to the decision. Sometimes they'll come to you for decisions, but you don't have to answer it. You just help to have, you have to help them to answer it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. 
I'm, I'm also finding that there, there are lots of, uh, you know, it's becoming easier and easier to execute that work. So one, one of the things I, I found that's interesting are, are tools like Scribe. There's another one that name escapes me, but that allows people to basically carry out the task and it will record all your actions, like where you're clicking, what you're typing and take screenshots at the same time. And so all that documentation is kind of built, built out for you. And that works great for like linear processes. Mm. Sometimes it's not linear. Yeah. And that's where, you know, it's, um, it comes back to the feedback. It comes back to the delegation. So I really like to look at delegation where I might have a sense of the outcome, but the steps may not be clear. And that's okay if you have someone you're working with and, and they can start to take on more of, okay, so I know where you're trying to get. Now I can be an owner to get there. And sometimes you have to create guardrails for them around that. But really empowering people is true delegation and not just, okay, follow this checklist. You're really not going to get to utilize people's strengths. So sometimes that works for people who love checklists. They love checking things off. They love maintaining. So there's really kind of three levels there. There's design, which is usually the visionary or the founder. They're like really can see where, where am I trying to get? What are we trying to create here? What are we trying to make exist that doesn't exist? Build. Okay, so this is where we're headed. Well, what are we building and how are we going to build it and building it out and testing it and making sure that it's a thing? <laughs> it's not just an idea, it becomes a thing. And then once it's a thing, maintaining that. So most of the time, people kind of fall, lean more into one of those categories. And so you kind of need to ha- complement each other in those different ways. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'd love for you to, I know you've got like one or two uh, resources uh, that people might find helpful. I'd love for you to to mention, I think you've got an assessment. Is that right? Or there may be, or, or you tell me better than I could say. <laughs> We're working on um, an assessment right now. It's still mm-hmm. in the oven getting cooked. Um, but we do have one resource that we call our optimal discomfort spectrum. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when um, founders, managers, leaders, we see mistakes from our team members. We don't know what to do with them and we make meaning out of them that may or may not be accurate. And so this resource gives you kind of three different zones where there's a low risk danger zone where mistakes happen because they're bored because you're not actually challenging them enough. And they've Mm -hmm. kind of started to tune out and make mistakes. Then there's the high risk danger zone where they are overwhelmed, you've given them something that's beyond their capacity and they don't know how to chunk it out or they're making mistakes because they're just, it's too far out of their zone of of, um, their optimal zone. Then there's the middle. They're making mistakes, but they're learning from them. They're small and they're easy to to repair if, if needed. And so you're trying to really get people in as much as possible into their optimal zone And um, so this resource, we have a video and it's got a graphic and it kind of talks you through some bullet points about those different zones um, and helps you to better manage uh, your team members. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is, this is definitely a very helpful resource because it's very easy to fall into that. Oh no, mistakes happened and falling into a very reactive mode and not necessarily dealing with people the right way. 
Oh, that is, yes, that is the, I, you know, going back to the pitfalls, yeah. challenges thing, that's the biggest, you know, if you get into reactive mode, your then team members are not going to perform well. You really need to stay in that space of curiosity, openness, tr- you know, conversations with them. Okay. So I'm seeing this is happening. Why? What happened? Let's talk it out. Like, did I not delegate or set you up for success? Or is there a gap that you have that we need to work on together? Talk to them about it. And if it keeps happening, then you can kind of escalate and be like, hey, so I really need to see this happen. But start from that curiosity and that openness of know that mistakes are going to happen. Now you need to set them up for success and figure out why they're happening and help them to do better and better and improve on them. Excellent. So, so Christina, I'd love for you to also just, as we wrap up here, could you tell us more about where people can find out more about Magical Teams, yourself? Uh, where would you send people? Yes. So uh, I have been pretty active on LinkedIn. So you're welcome to find me there. Christina Salerno, hello. Um, and then also on our website, we have uh, we're starting to develop out some articles and some resources. Um, like I mentioned, the opt-in for that resource is there. And um, lots, that's, that is currently our magical.team. And it's going to be shortly migrated to magicalteams.com. <laughs> Got to have the .com. It, it, it will redirect at some point to yeah. both of those. So, <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Christina. It's been a really a great conversation. I've got a lot of it myself. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing your time with us today. Thank you so much. I loved the conversation as well.